You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Up a Tree. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 21. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Old Testament. And I'm going to read you some kind of, just trust me, just track with me and it'll end up somewhere. That's all I can tell you. Deuteronomy 21. And I'm almost, this is going to sound really nuts, but I'd almost encourage you not to read the rest of chapter 21, okay? The Bible has got some really bizarre stuff in it. There's some crazy stuff in the Bible. It's all in the Bible, okay? There's stuff in here about killing people. I mean, you say, well, you encourage your children to read their Bible. You need to know what your children are reading. You don't just hand them a Bible and say, go read this stuff, because there is some really bizarre stuff that happens in the Bible. You think movies are crazy. The Bible is crazy, okay? All kind of stuff is described, wars, just slaughter in the Bible. And a lot of people go, that's it. I'm out. God telling people to kill people. I don't get all this. But Deuteronomy 21, and some of this stuff is verse 22. And I read this with me. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and it is very important to point this out. Somebody has committed a sin, and according to God and his law and his rules, you deserve to die because you have done this. Okay, so this is not a random killing A man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, which a lot of times what would happen is the person would be killed and then be hung on the tree as a display, not just to other people, but as we'll read in a second, even to God himself, like, God, look, we're dealing with this. And this seems, you know, as I'm reading this, it seems very harsh, but here's what has happened to our world in a lot of cases. There is no consequence anymore. So you say, well, I don't think you should kill someone if they kill someone. And I'm not going off on capital punishment today. But if you have really hard lines up front, you don't have to die for killing someone if you don't kill someone. If there were such a thing as absolute capital punishment and somebody says, well, I don't think that's right. You don't have to worry about laws that don't apply to you. So if you don't go killing somebody, you don't have to worry about being killed for that. Now, obviously, things can happen, crimes of passion, and believe it or not, the Bible even has category for crimes of passion, and Israel literally had cities of refuge where if you freaked out, caught your wife, you know, in the bed with somebody, and you killed him, and you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? You run to that city and have protection. And so it allowed for these things. But straight up here it says, if a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree. But you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So there were rules. Someone deserved to die, they die. You hang him on a tree, great. Get him in the ground that day. You don't leave dead bodies hanging around. 
And then this little phrase, for he who is hanged is accursed of God. Someone who is hanged on a tree is accursed of God. So deal with the problem, get him on the tree, but put him in the ground. Okay, now let me give you some examples. Go to Joshua. A few pages to the right. I'm going to do this as long as I got breath. If you have a Bible and you don't have a clue where Joshua is, you've got a table of contents in the front of your Bible. It'll give you little names. Some of them are really bizarre looking names. Find Joshua, go to that page number, go to chapter 8 and find this verse. Joshua 8 verse 29. And it says this, and the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And here's how the dots connect in the Bible. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded they should take his corpse down from the tree, cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city, and raise over it a great heap of stones that remains to this day. So they got the guy buried, even this king. Go to Joshua chapter 10, verse 22. And they had trapped, you have to go back and read the whole story around this, but they've captured some kings. Then Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so and brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jermoth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them, and hanged them on five trees, and they were hanging on the trees until evening. So it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden, and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remains until this very day. Now go to New Testament, John chapter 19. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And this is one of the places where around Easter time, especially people read the story because it describes what happened when Jesus was crucified. And without going through Pilate and the scourging and the beatings and all this kind of stuff, let me jump down here to kind of verse 15. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to be crucified. Then they took Jesus and led him away. And he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center. Now Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth. This is the plaque on his cross. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Then many of the Jews read this title for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore, the chief priests and the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews, but he said, they said, we don't care what it says. We don't want you saying that's who he was. Just write up there, he said. He said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I've written, I've written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it. Whose it shall be? Then they're down there gambling for his clothes, his cloak in particular. That the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now this isn't what my 
message about, but let me just say parenthetically, you can go back in the Old Testament and read where this scripture, it's prophesied that they would literally divide his clothes. I think it's in Psalms. It is ludicrous. And no matter what I tell you right now, you're still going to go, I still don't believe it. It is so ludicrous to think, okay, well, these soldiers knew, okay, 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 guys, we got to do this by the book. Remember, the Old Testament says that he's going to have clothes, we're going to have to gamble for him, so everybody pay attention. We're going to, when the clothes come up, we got to gamble for him so we can fulfill Scripture. They just got through hammering three guys to crosses. You think they're down there reading the Bible trying to fulfill prophecy? You say, well, it's just coincidence. How many coincidences are you going to have to come up with before you believe this stuff? Now, I am getting old and crotchety and a lot of crazy stuff. After I had that colonoscopy, I've not been the same. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what the Bible says, and then I'm going to say something so stinking hard, it's going to be hard for you to hear, but here it goes. The Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now, listen closely before we start amening and hooping and all that stuff. Here's what that says. If you say, I'm an atheist, I do not believe there is a God, then I'm going to agree with Scripture and say, you are a fool. You say, well, then I'm out of here. Well, we'll wait for you to get out. You say, that's mean, that's rude. No, it's a fact. What are you thinking? Just get by yourself somewhere. Look at your hands. Find a mirror. Look at the intricacy of your eyes. Think about the blood going through your body. You put food in a hole in your face and it comes out, you know, when we get into all that, but, you know, you're processing food. You're doing bizarre stuff and we can't even make something like this. And you say, well, I still don't believe there's a God. What, what are you thinking? You cannot be thinking. You cannot be seeing. You cannot be hearing. You cannot be feeling. You just got to be so far gone. You're a fool. And there is so much in Scripture. There is so much written down. And God is doing everything in his power. The fact that you're still sitting here or that you're listening to me somewhere beyond here means you're hungry. Because I've just called you a fool probably. Only where it applies, of course. So they're gambling for his clothes. Now they're stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own house. So Jesus then nails in his hands, in his feet, and he sees his mom and he says, I got to take care of mom on the cross. Behold your mother, behold your son, take care of my mom. That doesn't make her equal to God. It doesn't do any of that. It just means Jesus took care of mom. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. He's done everything he needs to do. He's on the cross. He's dying. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. Well, it's a branch of some kind, and put it up saying, well, we'll give him a dab of something, see what happens. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished, Okay. It's overdone to telestize the word used. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Now listen to what happens in 31. You've got Jewish people here in this case, so religious, so trying, so hard to do everything by the book, and they miss God himself in the flesh. 
Religious people sometimes are so crazy focused on keeping a bunch of rules, and a lot of the rules aren't even in the Bible. They're so busy trying to tell you how to live that they miss the joy, they miss the Jesus of the whole thing. But these Jews are so focused. It's the Passover. It's the big holiday of the year. And they've gotten this nightmare of a man killed, this Jesus, who's messing with their power and their position. So they finally got him dead, and now they get back to the rules. Verse 31. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, it's the day before the Passover, And the rules that God set out say what? Now, this is so fascinating because God set this thing up in Deuteronomy to get his son off a cross. Part of the reason that the guideline in Deuteronomy that we read in 21 is there is to get Jesus off the cross hundreds of years later. Therefore, it's the preparation day that the bodies should not remain on the cross, on a tree, on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. We got to get these guys off these trees because it's a violation of our code. Can we get them off the trees? They're not dying fast enough. Now, Jesus is already dead. The other two are hanging there. So what they would do is take a hammer of some kind, these guys hanging on a cross, and would come up and pop the bottom of their feet, just down there on the sole of their feet. And it would break bones, and it would just, you'd collapse. You couldn't hold yourself up anymore. Or they'd break their legs, something, and then they'd die. We got to get them dead because we got to get them in the ground. Now, this is so amazing to me. We got to have Jesus dying on a cross, but we've got to get him in the ground so he can be back the third day. And the Jews are helping the process along. They don't even know he's the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God, and yet they are helping fulfill scripture with their own just adherence to these rules. So the soldiers came, broke the legs of the first and the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified. And this is very interesting how John here writes. He doesn't say me. He says, and he who has seen has testified. In other words, I saw it with my own eyes. And his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. I'm telling you what I saw, and I'm telling you who he is so that you can believe. Now, you're either going to believe it or you're not. I have never talked to anybody into believing this stuff, but I'm telling you straight up, if you hear the sound of my voice and this message and something inside of you says, I don't know where this has been my whole life or why I've pushed this away, but I get this. I do not want to be a fool anymore. There's a God. I do believe just Jesus loved me that he had to be God and a man, that when he died on that cross, he died for me. I got to read you one of the passages, and it's in Galatians chapter 3. Find Galatians. It's to the right, Galatians chapter 3. And by the way, Galatians chapter 3, I'm about to read you a few verses out of this. Some of the stuff in the Bible is not like narrative. I don't recommend you just sit down and read it and go, oh, yeah, I get that. You're not going to get it. I've been reading this stuff, you know, for decades, And I still look at it sometimes and go, now what? 
I have to go back and read it again and go, no, what does that mean? And then I get other translations and I read those because it's not just a story being told. There is explanation going on. Sometimes you read, if you got a toy, let's say you got a toy and the box cover told you a story. If you build this airplane and launch the airplane, it will fly a hundred yards with, you know, its own power and you go, wow, that's cool. I want to build the airplane and see it fly. But if you open it up and there are directions, you don't read the directions for fun. You read the directions so you can put the thing together so that it will do what it's supposed to do. Some of the Bible is directions, And so you say, well, I just want to read more stories. Well, the stories are good and they're there, but sometimes you have to know how the pieces go together and what all this means. Galatians chapter 3, in some ways, is part of the directions, okay? And I'm going to read, okay, he's writing to this specific people in a town, in an area called Galatia, okay? And he says in verse 1, oh, foolish Galatians. So they believe they've done something wrong. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? What happened? You were doing so great. You were believing the truth and someone's come along and told you something different. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. You know that he actually lived, that he died, was buried and raised from the dead. So who's come along and changed this? This only I want to learn from you. This is all I want you to tell me. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So someone has come along and said, look, all this believing stuff, forget the believing stuff, you've got to be a good person. And if you're just a good person and keep all the rules, that's what's going to get you into heaven. That's what's going to please God. It doesn't start there. It didn't start there in the Old Testament. It's not the New Testament. You have to believe. It is by faith. And you believe and then you do something because you believe. You don't do something in order to believe and then get in. So he goes on to say this. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, you are now being made perfect by the flesh. In other words, by what you are physically doing in your own strength. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And if you go back and read the story of Abraham, Abraham did nothing. All Abraham did was say, God said, Abraham, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And Abraham said, okay. I believe that. And then his whole life changed because he believed. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And who are the Gentiles? We are the Gentiles. Preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So if you say, well, I just believe. I'm not good enough. I know I'm not good enough. I just believe. Then you're in the same category as the guy Abraham in the Old Testament. Now follow this, verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law, if you say, no, I am not going to just believe, I will perform my way into heaven, then you have put yourself under the Old Testament law and said, I'll keep all the rules. If you are one of those people, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, there is a curse that comes with that. For it is written, 
Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So here's the deal. The law of Moses. It all gets written out. It gets declared. And Moses says, this is what God said to do. Do it. And somebody says, I got it. And I'm going to keep all these rules. And I don't need faith. I don't need anything. I got the rules. I got the law. I'll do it. If you were able to keep all of it, you didn't need faith. You don't even need Jesus. The point is, nobody kept the rules. And the book says if you break one, you've broken them all. So the only way you're going to come to God and say, I don't need your Jesus, is to say, I keep all the rules. I am perfect like you are perfect. And we're going to have a reception for all those people right after the service. We have a psychiatrist. Be happy to get you medicated. Why? Because we're all idiots. All of sin, the Bible says, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody's righteous, not one, nobody. So keep reading, for as many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith. You don't have to believe if you're just going to do the right thing. But the man who does them shall live by them. Now look what Jesus did. And this is back to the passage in John I was reading, but read it here in Galatians. This is what happened that day. Christ has redeemed us, and the word here used for redeem means the payment of a price to recover from the power of another, to ransom, to buy off, or metaphorically of Christ freeing the elect from the dominion of the Mosaic law at the price of his vicarious death. So when he says here, Christ has redeemed us, he has bought us back, he has purchased us back, from what? From the curse of the law, because we couldn't do it. So Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become what? A curse for us. For it is written, and now this takes us back where we started. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. New Testament, quoting the Old Testament. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You know who deserves to hang on a tree? Me. The wages of my sin, what I deserve for my sin is death. And they just soon kill me and hang me on a tree. That's what I deserve. That'll get me nothing. So God comes along before the foundation of the world and says, I know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. They're going to screw up. They're going to sin. We're going to have an answer. We do. It'll be Jesus going in the flesh, live a sinless life. They'll hang him on a tree. They'll kill him. They are cursed without him, so we're going to put the curse on Jesus, let him die in their place, and make possible the curse coming off of them if they'll just believe in him. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. Do you ever feel like your life is just cursed? You're just up a tree? There's no way out? 
That's why you feel that way. You want the curse broken off of you? Then let the curse be on him. Let him be up the tree for you. And say, you know what? I believe that. I'm done with this. I can't carry this around anymore. It's like my whole life's falling apart. It's like somebody is attacking me against me. I feel dead. I'm as good as dead. It's just a matter of time physically dying. Say, God, I can't explain all this. I like the idea of the plane flying. I don't know how to put all the directions together yet, but I'm telling you what, I want this package. Get me some Jesus. If he's willing to take the curse on him off of me, I cannot be good enough to get into heaven, so I believe that his payment on that cross is good enough for me. I accept that payment. Come live in me, through me, change me. Get me a life. Now that's the story. That's the gospel. That's how simple it is. And you say, well, I just don't believe that. Then keep trying your way. Try to be good. And just pray you don't die before you figure it out. Because it doesn't work any other way. You can't perform your way into heaven. You can only believe. And you've got to believe on the only begotten Son of God. Because nobody is worthy. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive honor and glory and wisdom and power and blessing. Nobody could get up that tree but Him. And it worked. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.